There you go. My All awkward right. bulbous one. Yeah. I'll always give you a smile, Dave. Oh. Aw. Hey guys, thank you. Um, oh, <laughs> I fucked that up. Thank you, Mean Maniac. Blah, blah. Oh, I fucked that up too. Thank you, Mad Maniac. <laughs> you are one of my favorite peoples ever. Okay, guys, be sure to check out our YouTube version too, where we have awesome slideshows created by Avant Garden Media. And welcome to Fight Cusp. Woo -woo! Today, our episode is The Poets, brought to you by me, Mixie Plum, and my one of my ride or die besties, David Wolf Aronson. Hello. <laughs> that big fucking intro. I put it in my Rod Roddy fucking voice, and you're like, Hello. Greetings to all. And, <laughs> and to all a good night, Santa. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. We're giddy about this one because we have, we, uh, as we were making it, we realized what the comparisons should really be when we were done. So the comparisons are actually not the two figures we are uh, focusing on today, who is uh, the, the poet of the poet. The, why can't I talk today? The poet with the moets. Did you take I don't drugs? Know what yeah, I'm on Benadryl. Oh, I went on Benadryl for this episode because it's about Jim Morrison, <laughs> and I don't have any pa I don't have any peyote, so I yeah. Well, Benadryl you know, Kurt, even though Kurt didn't die of drugs, he did a, a shit fuck ton of drugs anyway. Yeah, he was a heroin addict. Yeah, he was, exactly. He was a junkie. So yeah, they were junkie with a guitar. Users. That was the '90s, and we loved it. Yeah. Um. Give me all the junkie music, like fucking cowboy junkies. Junkies, even in the name of the. I know. Yeah. I can't imagine any of those people doing heroin. They all seem so squeaky clean. <laughs> That's cute. Wait a minute. I totally just forgot who I talked about. Wow. We're talking about the band Cowboy Junkies. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know anything about them. I just like their Lou Reed cover. Just give me yeah. the Lude Reed cover. I know, I can't day. ever get her to listen to more of their material. She only likes the one song. Sometimes songs just have this relationship with you, and, you know, I'm not ready to listen to the rest <laughs> of the cow. I know it's, it's been like soon. 30 years. I'm not years. ready to listen to Cowboy Junkies. It's too soon. <laughs> I know it's been like 30 years of just listening to Sweet Jane and and getting all sexy or not sexy not or, even their song. or depressed. I know, but it's my one of my favorite covers ever, and I hate the Lou, Reed, Lou Reed's original. Uh, and this is me... not a music podcast, so, but we're no, very but... excited today to present yeah. Jim and Kurt. Okay. Yeah. Well, I needed to take that in. We were going to have a whole – we should have a music podcast one day, though where we just mm. nerd out about all the music we know. We can know a lot about music. Yeah. We're fucking insane. Anyway, so let's, before we get into it, Thank I mean, yourself. I'm pretty sure both Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain have uh, very profound effects on both of us for different reasons or similar reasons. Um, I don't want to go into too many stories, but I do have a copy of Riders on the Storm autographed by John Densmore. Oh, cool. Yeah, in green ink, too. 
Wow, green ink. Yeah, my favorite English teacher in high school. Special. Yes, John Shabelli, my favorite English teacher in high school ever. He went to John Densmore's signing and had no idea who he was. He was such a cute little man. All he liked was Shakespeare and his granddaughter. And um and words. Words uh, were his passion. Well, he made them mine too. Oh, well, so he was a big influence on you because words are your passion. Yeah, he is the biggest influence on me, Mr. John Shabelli. Cool, you should look him up sometime. I he's my Facebook friend. Oh, cool. <laughs> I've had students, you know, I taught art for 25 years or so. And every once in a while, I'll run into one of my old students. It's always nice having oh. them tell me how much they learned from me. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it makes me feel good. Like I did something good in the world. But yeah, yeah, you you do great in the world. But oh, yeah, okay. Mr. Shabelli, um, he didn't know who John Densmore was. And my wow. dad has actually seen The Doors live. Yeah. By the way, my dad has seen all the good shows. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's like, does anyone like The Doors? And I'm like, I love them. And I was 15, 14. He was my first, my ninth grade English teacher. So I was yeah. 14. I'm like, well, I love The Doors. He's like, oh, I have this book signed by Jim Morrison for you. And I, no, I'm sorry. He said, I have this book signed for you. But I thought Jim Morrison. I'm like, is he really giving me a Jim Morrison signed book? And then I opened it. I'm like, oh, John Densmore. Okay, just as cool. Just as cool, guys. 1983, <laughs> the movie called Get Crazy came out, and you should see it. That's Speaking fun. of John Densmore. Anyway. He was a good drummer. He was a good drummer, and he's yeah. in the 1983 movie Get Crazy, which everybody needs to see. That's my movie plug for the episode. Okay. John Densmore. Anyway, and then Kurt. I mean, so my dad grew up when Jim died. I grew up when Kurt died. Uh, unlike my dad, I never got to see Kurt. We had tickets and then he died. I guess I think a lot of people uh, with 27 Club have a lot of similar 27 Club stories like that. You know, like I, I could have seen Elliot Smith's last performance, one of his last performances before he killed himself. You know what I mean? Everyone has a story. Oh, yeah. like that. Well, I, I, I was going to see Led Zeppelin, who were my favorite band were my well they're still one of my favorite bands but as a teenager they were my number one favorite band and i was going to go see them and then uh john bottom died and that was the end of led zeppelin so i was really bummed oh my god that must have been awful yeah my dad um he regrets never seeing jimmy before he died yeah yeah you need these, these rock stars man you gotta see them before they fucking od I know. I don't know. Do they do you drugs? You never know now? when it's going to happen. Do rock stars still do drugs? Is that a thing? I don't fucking know. I don't really follow rock these oh, days. Oh, yeah. No, me either. There's I mean, no I'm rock. sure they are. Everybody does drugs, right? I don't know. A lot of people do drugs. Yeah. I would say if I were to have an actual real bucket list, I would say do peyote in the desert like Jim once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, have to have a good, you have to have a good guide. So, yeah, no, forget that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I already scared out of that one. Not doing that. Oh, okay. No, no peyote here. All right, no peyote for Mixie. No. All right. Okay. And uh, so, what about your kind of personal experiences with Jim and Kurt? Do you have you shared them already, or does anyone stick out for you? Well, I thought at the end we were gonna, 
you were going to come compare your chart to Kurt's, oh, and I was going to compare mine to his. That's a surprise. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I thought I already said that. No, I was leading up to it. Don't you know uh, I'm all about the drama? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you had said that already. That's okay. Maybe they'll forget by the time we get to it. Whatever. Let's I'm, I'm on drugs too, people. So Okay. So <laughs> let's jog on then, shall we? All right. All right. All right. First, so, we've got Jim Morrison of The Doors, named yeah. after Aldous Huxley's wonderful novel, The Doors of Perception. Actually, could I be pedantic for a moment? Yes, please. I probably got that wrong. Well, no, Aldous Huxley did write it, but it wasn't a, a, a work of fiction. It was a very slender volume, and it was his account of what he experienced the first time he took peyote. Oh, okay. But since he was a writer, it was written very well and very it was very descriptive and made it seem like a really potentially interesting experience or valuable experience. And then in the 60s, in the 60s all the hippies read that book and it kind of validated their taking psychedelics. What the Tim Leary book? No, the Aldous Huxley book, The Doors of Oh, the Aldous Huxley. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure my dad probably has a copy somewhere, you know? I know I have. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, my drugs are kicking, my Benadryl's kicking in now, so uh, man, I'm getting gonna there. This is going to be a, gonna be a episode, people. Oh, yeah, I just wanted I just to say one a, thing before I, I forget, chronicle. before I forget, before I forget, I want to say one thing. I'm sorry. Um, about Aldous Huxley. I do that, too. I write specific i go on a specific drug to write certain things oh, yeah. like um uh yeah uh, when i wrote a um a piece of uh in the sun i wrote a novella and uh there's a psych really psychedelic piece in it in the middle it was like the trans transient section i specifically sleep deprived myself for like 30 hours and then wrote it but yeah. i mean and i smoke some drugs you know but you know what? That's something Jim Morrison would advise you to do. And he was taking the advice of one of the, the, um, the 18th century decade or 19th century decadent poets like oh. Rimbaud. Oh, I love Rimbaud. Oh, yeah, I, that's were, right. I, we've talked about that. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'm a decadent poet. Yeah. So he said something about, the derangement of the senses is the way the derangement of the senses yes you yeah. told me that years ago and then i was i took it way too seriously so when right. i was riding in the sun in 2013 and yeah. 2014 i was thinking i got to do that derangement of the senses thing man but like it's valid. Me, man it's what? valid if you want to put yourself into a a, a different mindset in order to yeah break 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 on through go to the other side oh my yeah. god we bought it full we brought it full yeah. circle now, i people, love us i'm not sure if it's rimbo but if it wasn't rimbo it was one of his contemporaries is he the one who wrote flowers of evil is whoever wrote flowers of evil i think it's the one who said that okay yeah well uh now that we brought the full circle what le fleur de mal it's in the fleur flowers de mal. of evil Oh, that's gorgeous. I want to name something Le Fleur de Mel now. Le Fleur de Shell. That's me. Oh, but that just means flower of the Michelle. So. <laughs> flower of the Michelle guy. The flower of the Michelle. I'm sorry, the flower of the Mixie. I'm mixing. We're really loopy now. 
Yeah. All right. Let's get to Jim. We let's brought it full it. circle. We sang a door song. Let's go. <laughs> Trying sun and squares his moon. That is our okay. first Jim note. Okay. Yes. Um, I was looking for things that would indicate uh, an untimely death or death by misadventure or something of, along those lines. Like they, they didn't, um, you know, their, their lives were cut short or, you know, they brought about their own demise. So I was looking for things like that. Now, if you remember in the last episode, we were talking about medical astrology. And so the medical astrology, the sun and the moon are very, very important in terms of your health, um, your overall health. And Jim Morrison has Pluto trining his sun and squaring his moon. So he has the planet of death actually aspecting both his sun and his moon. So to me, that would represent a person who could possibly have an early death or, you know, a wrongful death, you know, die, dying before their time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he has a lot of death, man. And, you know, it, that kind of death magic comes out in his singing, I think. Totally. A lot of, uh, he was obsessed with death. I think both him and Kurt we're both obsessed with death in one way or another. It's in their music, especially in Morrison's music. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And we have our own things with death, too. We, have a, we put a lot of death in our Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. Me and you are all about the dark, the dark oh, side. Yeah. And the light side, both. Yeah, we, we have a good balance. <laughs> all right, you want to talk me into the next one? Yes, I do. Pluto and Leo. Death, death, death. Okay, here Sooner we go. or later, you face the Reaper. Have I faced the Reaper? No, I was trying to quote Bill Sadler from Bill and Ted 2. You may be a king or a poor street sweeper, but sooner or later, you meet the Reaper. You know? Oh, I never heard that. It's good. you never saw Bill and Ted 2, did you? Don't Fear the Reaper. It's a good song. Yeah, I love that Anywho, song. Anywho. Okay. <laughs> Pluto uh, and Leo. Right. Uh, I thought Pluto and Leo was important because... Now, I know I'm a music junkie, just like Mixie. And when, especially when I was younger, if there was a band or a singer that I was really into, I would just like read every book that was written about them. So I know a lot more about, I know a lot more trivia about Jim Morrison's life than I do about Kurt Cobain, just because of my age. I'm 15 years older than Mixie. So we're different generations, even though we kind of think the same on so many things. But um, I feel that Jim Morrison was very careless and nonchalant about whether or not something would kill him. I think the Leo, which is the sign of the self, and Leos are very often, uh, they think like the world revolves around them, you know? Uh -huh. And so I think that having his Pluto and Leo besides it trining his son and screen his mood, made him more careless. And I think maybe if he didn't have that configuration, he might not have OD'd. But I think that contributed to his ODing because he was just being careless. Because like that's how Janis Joplin died. She didn't want to die. She just got like a really, she was used to like 
heroin that was stepped on a lot. And then one night she got like some really pure heroin and it, she didn't know it. And so she OD'd. I've heard that about Janice, and I heard that about Bradley Noel, whose first time I couldn't get, hint, hint, Bradley Noel also, like, you know, went before Sublime was Sublime, he was doing all the dirt heroin, and then when he yeah. got to stardom, uh, he did real heroin and OD. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm sure you can look it up to get the validity of that, but I'm pretty sure that's all true, right? Well, I mean, I've read that. Oh, well, they don't really know. I mean, Jim Marson OD, but nobody, he, he was alone in a bathtub. So nobody really knows what happened, whether he planned it or didn't plan it. Oh, uh, okay. You know, or if there was someone else there. There's all kinds of theories. Like there are always these conspiracy theories about um, celebrities dying. But anyway, yeah. you want to talk me into yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to do that. Because, okay, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. More more death on the way, folks. Yes, Pluto it's all about death. <laughs> Pluto conjunct North Node in Leo. Okay, so if you you may remember me talking about the the Moon's nodes, the North and South Node. So the North Node is represents what you need to do or what you need to learn in order to fill your fulfill your karmic destiny or um, to grow spiritually. I love the um, nodes. They're my favorites. Yeah. And that's based on the idea that we reincarnate um, without the belief in reincarnation. You can still use them, but you can only use them really for this, this life. But I, I happen to believe in reincarnation. So um, <clears throat> I use them that way. So his node was conjunct Pluto. Again, it was touching Pluto, the death planet. And <clears throat> Again, it was in Leo, so you have that element of like not really, you know, taking precautions. But yeah. <clears throat> I think the North Node indicates that him dying, Jim Morrison is still to this day like a god, like idolized, and 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 people a love god. His music. He's a, a god. god. And people oh love his music and his lyrics. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And if he hadn't have died young, I don't think there would have been as many people, you know, listening to his music as there are. And I think his music has a lot of valuable messages in it. You know, it's, 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 um, <clears throat> it's trying to get people to be themselves and to not be afraid to be themselves. And See, to, wow. And to speak out against authority and other things. That's so, how the crystal ship makes me feel. It makes yeah. me feel like my true self. Yeah, a lot of his music is like that. It's like, because he took a lot of psychedelics, you know, when he wrote that song, Break On Through, like, find your true self and be that true self. And mm -hmm. you know, don't listen to other people if they're trying to make you into something that you're not. Fuck so, yeah. Hell I yeah. feel that without that node, his his uh, music wouldn't have reached such a wide audience, but he had to die for it to happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like a saint or martyr, right? Yeah. I don't really know much about the, uh, the XGianity. Um, let's see, though. Next we have uh, another, oh, I was going to say another death, 
but it's not. It's Moon Trines Chiron. Yeah, I just noticed this. Um, and from what I know about Jim Morrison, from all the books I read about him and the movies and everything, um, Moon Trine Chiron would indicate very deep-seated emotional problems that he did not know how to heal because he had a very dysfunctional uh, upbringing in his family. And just like a lot of people in the 60s, he self-medicated. He didn't go yeah. to see a therapist or whatever. He just, he ate a shit ton of acid and took all kinds of other drugs <laughs> and then he became an alcoholic. So I just saw that as being represented by Moon Trining Chiron. It's a trine and that's an easy aspect. So he should have been able to overcome that stuff. And if he hadn't died young, he may have you know, gotten some healing eventually because that's, that's a configuration that would indicate eventually healing his, his deep-seated issues. But he didn't live long enough. Well, I, and I think that the, our next, um, the sun opposite Saturn is a, probably a good indicator of how he, it was so hard for him to heal. Yeah, it, a lot of it had to do with his father. Um, his father was a military guy, so the family was always moving from place to place. And, you know, that's always hard on a kid because they don't get a chance to make friends and keep them. Uh -huh. And from what I understand, his father was just like a real hard-ass old-school military guy. And Jim had, like, some major problems with that. And he was very rebellious. Oh, and, my God, um, that's right. He's Ted. I mean, he's Bill. Yeah. Didn't we figure that out when we were doing it? And I made the joke earlier without even knowing I had to make the joke again because I forgot all about it. Because as soon as you said that, when you first told me it, I was like, oh, my God, he really is Keanu Reeves in Bill and Ted's Adventures. Uh, why was, was, was the character rebellious? I didn't see that. Yeah, um, Keanu Reeves is his character in Parenthood, the stoner punk kid, the stoner slacker in Parenthood. That's who what Ted is, and he has an ultra military father. Oh, okay. And I Keanu understand. Reeves could have played Jim Morrison. I mean, probably not okay. better than Val Kilmer, but yeah. Well, say the sun is the sun represents his true self, and Saturn represents responsibilities and rules that are imposed on you from outside. Exactly. That the, uh, the effects his father had on him. So, yeah, and then yeah. with the sun opposing Uranus and Mars, you said there was, um, and we did another joke too early. We sang break, broke, break on through to the other oh, side yeah. way before we wanted to in the notes. We're so cute. All right, Dave. <laughs> Take away opposing All right. Uranus. All right, this is the last thing. Oppose Uranus. Keep Uranus to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see Uranus. We're going to make so many. Um, this was the last thing that jumped out at me about Jim Morrison. His son is opposite, and that's a difficult aspect, Uranus and Mars. And to me, this indicated a kind of a chaotic, violent, um aspect to his personality and to his art also a dark menacing quality um but the uranus also has the quality of wanting to break free from oppression break free from things that are holding you back so there's where the break on through song would come in 
I even <laughs> wrote it here. We even have it and in the notes, breaking on through. Yeah, and we're so like, you know, yeah. on OTC stuff. <laughs> and, and he was always, he was always pushing the boundaries, you know? And he was always trying to um, poke the hornet's nest. Like the, there was a time in Florida when they said he, uh, he took his dick out on stage. He became Florida man. Yeah, I don't, that, we still don't know if that's really true or a legend, but allegedly the cops were being assholes that night and they weren't like letting his fans come up to the front of the stage so he could oh. commune with them. And so he just, he didn't like this. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Well, that was one thing. And also <laughs> there was, he had a run-in with a cop in the bathroom. The cop didn't know who he was. That's okay. in the movie. Do you remember that scene? I saw that movie so long ago. Uh, well, there's it's a scene. one of the movies I'm not obsessed with. Okay, well, I'm not obsessed with the movie, but it was a good movie. But there's a scene where he's, you know, he, the doors are ready to go on, and Jim is with one of his girlfriends in the bathroom, and a cop comes in and starts, like, haranguing Jim because he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know he's the fucking star that ha that's going to be going on stage in a minute. Yeah. So when, he, when Jim comes out, he starts taunting the cops and calling them names and huh. saying how fucked up they were. And then it, allegedly he took out his dick and waved it at them. That's awesome. That he so, said fuck the police first then, didn't he? Something oh, like that. Oh, that was yeah. a terrible pun. Oh, my God. Yeah, something like that. Now, like I said, no one knows if it's really true or if they just think he or if they just said that. But it sounds like something he would do. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, right, so that's that's all we have on Jim for now. Yeah, and uh, Kurt, you know, because of this North Node in the eighth eighth house, um, Kurt's breaking through on the other side is a little different than Jim's. Yeah, uh, the eighth house is the house of death, and he had his North Node there, and. Again, North Node is what you have to experience for your spiritual growth. And I hate to say it, but when I look at that, it says to me, like, he, he, had, to, he had to die young for the same reason that Jim Morrison did, so that people would not forget him because he had a lot to share with the world. I mean, I remember I wasn't a teenager when Nirvana were popular, but I was still young enough to really relate to Kurt Cobain's lyrics and his music. And he carried around a lot of pain. I mean, all junkies do. And a lot of his music was about expressing that pain and how, how to live with the pain, how to try to heal the pain. You know, he could have been a healer, I think much more than Morrison. Because Morrison was too egotistical, you know? No. That's the difference. Kurt, Kurt Cobain was um, humble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he could have been a hippie healer like me. Yeah, compared to Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain was very you know, um, humble. Kurt Cobain is a Phoebe, just like me. I love it. But they, it's very similar to Jim Morrison in that they had to die young so that their message could go out into the world. Again, this is speculation, people. Yes, guys, um, we're not, like, we don't yeah. have facts. Right. This, this is not a fact cast. <laughs> well, there, there, there will be a I few mean, we facts. have 
history facts. Yeah, we will have facts about things that actually happened, but yeah. like speculating on how and why people die, it's just pure speculation. But exactly. I saw the similarity, so I thought it would be interesting. It is interesting. Okay, and uh, What's next, Mixie? Mars in Scorpio trine his sun in Pisces. Water, okay. water, water, water everywhere. Yeah, that's another thing. Kurt Cobain's... Um, chart is very watery that means he has a lot of planets in water signs as would you like to me to tell the audience what water means sure go ahead cool i am a water sign i also have a water moon sign but anyway water and a bunch of others you have like four or five planets yeah i'm i'm a very watery po person and water uh resonates to emotion so yeah and flow so that's a little bit into the personality of a, of a watery person in their chart, you know, very yeah. sensitive. They're very sensitive. They're yeah. often, very, they can often be psychic or intuitive. Um, yeah, I get very baby deer about things. Yeah. They can be very sweet and kind and compassionate if they're expressing their water well. That's not so, me. Kurt Cobain was a very sensitive soul and he couldn't, I, I don't think he could take the pressure that was on him. I think that's one of the things. Yeah, that the pressure of fame. Yeah. Probably. He had a lot of the, the sudden fame. A lot of times people can't handle it. That's what happened to Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd. You know? Oh, is that it, why he went, how he yeah, did? Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't take the pressure because they, they suddenly became huge. Like they were just going along he was writing his happy little psychedelic songs about gnomes and stuff. And they were just playing clubs, but suddenly there was all this attention on them. And there was all this pressure from the record company to write songs. And there was all these people who wanted, wanted to get near him and he just couldn't handle it. So he just sort of withdrew from everything. And it's something that affected that band for their entire career. They were, for the next 10 years, they were fucking writing songs about Sid Barrett, you know? Yeah. Well, Foo Fighters have some, uh, a few songs about Kurt. Oh, yeah. Well, that does that makes sense to me. Sure. And they're very pretty. I mean, yeah. I love Dave Grohl. He's so cool. Yeah. And the Doors are always talking. About, I mean, any video you see with the door, they're going to talk about Jim Morrison and how he was like, you know, the the life of the band. Like, without him, they weren't really anything basically oh it's like ian curtis no well they went off to new order and then bernard brought that ah, bernard became the lead but ian curtis like joy division couldn't go on without ian curtis at all yeah you know so i don't know i don't know as much about kurt cobain's life as i do about jim morrison so i'm going to ask you if you think i'm accurate on this okay okay for neptune and scorpio no, Mars and Scorpio, trining his son. Okay, all right, let's go. Hit it. Now, Pisces is often martyr-like, and um, Mars and Scorpio would be him having a lot of intense emotional energy, like sort of projected at him from his fans, from you know who el whoever else around him was pressuring him. And I think he saw him, he, he felt like a martyr. He was always bending over backwards to please these people around him. Is that true? Um, you know, the way he sings his pain to me makes me feel like yeah, that had 
definitely something to do with it. I'm sure I've read articles where the pressure of fame got to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I also thought, like, did he feel like his fans were, like, draining him? Like, all the all them wanting to get at him? I can't answer that as a fan from my teenager perspective because when I was a teenager and grunge was emerging, I was into that stuff, but that's also right when I, right after I discovered Tori Amos and, and I've been a They Might Be Giants fan since 1990. So grunge was there and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. It's cool. It's the music of our generation, but like I need Tori you know? So I wasn't one, I was never one to be a crazy obsessive fan about things when they are popular. I used to have a really big superiority complex about that. I'm like, it's popular. I'm not going to like it now. So when I was a stupid teenager, I was like, yeah, whatever, Nirvana. But I liked their music. I, you know, listened with my friends, but I'm Honestly, I spent my teenage years buying John Williams soundtracks and not Nirvana cassettes, you know? Okay. Well, I, so. I, I intuitively feel like that's what was going on because watery people have very weak boundaries and they're very strongly affected by the thoughts and emotions of the people around him. So yeah. I th- think that the people around him were just draining him because he's so watery. and. Yeah. Can I just say? I had a weird kind of idea, a weird kind of psychological idea. Again, this is pure speculation. This might be totally untrue and and total horseshit. (laughs) Total psychobabble, it might be. But I made it, I felt like because he didn't like the adulation or he couldn't deal with it, he kind of took away the things that the fan wanted by killing himself. You know? Yeah. I think he thought in the moment, there's no other way out. I don't think he planned. I don't don't think either of them planned their deaths. I think they both did it on the spur of the moment. Yeah. Morrison, I'm not really sure why. He had a lot of demons. But Kurt Cobain, I, I, I could just picture him sitting there saying, oh, man, they want this you know, they want me to be a rock god and they want me to be, you know, touring 365 days a year and they want me to just live for them. Well, fuck that. I'm going to kill myself. See how they like it then. Now, like I said, that could be pure psychobabble, but it's just something I came up with. Yeah, it's a really interesting theory. And and I do want to uh, iterate here. Um, I am a huge Nirvana fan. I wasn't huge fan of theirs when I was a teenager because I had my own depression and angst to go through. I couldn't pay attention to someone else's. Um, however, that being said, um, my favorite album is Bleach and uh, I, there are so many Nirvana songs that I look to solace for and, uh, you know, being vulnerable like Kurt uh, was really inspired me to be vulnerable. Yeah, well, there you go. Out loud. See, you know? if he hadn't, if he hadn't died young, you might not have been inspired that way. Exactly. And when I was in my twenties, that's when I was starting to hit rock bottom with my depression. Yeah. So, so let's listen to Nirvana. <laughs> 
All right, you know what? The next thing in the notes we have already kind of covered. So let's yeah. jump over to Venus and Pisces. All right, Venus and Pisces in seventh house, opposing his Pluto in the 12th. Whoa. Okay, so here's, here's where we come into a little tricky area. Not going to name names, but the seventh house is the house of intimate relationships, love affairs, marriages, uh, and Pluto is <clears throat> opposing his seventh house planets. So um, there, there was an element of death in his relationships. And I think he felt lonely because everybody saw the rock star, but they didn't see his true self, at least Not after good. he got famous. So um, since Venus is there, he wanted someone to love him for who he really was, not for his fame, not for his talent, but to just love him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And <clears throat> I think that that may be one of the things that led to his depression and his using heroin, because if you're carrying around emotional pain all the time, heroin it just numbs that and takes it away. So, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So I'll I think that's what that represents. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, not definitely. Yes, I can see how you see that is what I mean. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little Benadryled. I'm still a little Benadryled. But go let's go one? on. Yeah. I got two so, more. Two more. Two okay. more. But the last one is all mine. Yeah. Well, two more for, for, Kurt Cobain's death. Oh, yeah. Um, once again, Pluto. Pluto, it's touching like so many planets in his house. It's almost inevitable, inevitable that he would have to die young or die by, you know, unnatural causes because there's so much Pluto going on in him. It's also conjunct Uranus and Virgo. Now, Uranus is a planet that is... Um, very unpredictable and things could just happen like boom out of the blue, like getting the rug pulled out from under you. Um, and it's very volatile and it's mutable. It wants change. Oh no, it's not mutable. Oh yeah, it is. Um, but I wrote. Yeah. I don't know why we wrote mutable because that's really something that would you would describe a sign with. Planets aren't really mutable or not mutable. But it doesn't matter because Uranus is very volatile and unpredictable, as I said, and things can just happen like having the rug pulled out from under your feet. So this goes back to, again, my theory that Kurt didn't really plan it, but he may have been in a particularly low place, like a very dark place, and he had the gun and he just said, fuck it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what Uranus and Pluto would do. It would be like no planning, blah, 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 no note, just, oh man, I can't go on. Boom. Uh, it's crazy. And I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can uh, relate to that feeling. I can. I'm sure. Yeah. And one more thing, which isn't really about his death. Well, this, but is the one I, this is what I meant. This is the one I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Go ahead. After, after your introduction, just the last note here, right? That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I had one last note, which I thought was pretty cool. 
and you, you thought it was cool too. Um, it, it's something that most people don't know. Um, now water is female, quote unquote, symbolically. Um, it has a female, a symbolic female energy. So somebody who has a lot of water in the chart, even if they're male, they have a lot of feminine energy. And I think that's interesting because I learned from you that um, Kurt Cobain was very influenced by female punk rockers and riot girl bands. Yep. His favorite band was the Slits, as I've read in articles on Rolling Stone. <laughs> yes. Or I, I read thought, somewhere. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. That I think that's insanely interesting. Um, yeah. May I interject now? You certainly I'll, may. I'll shut up and talk. Thank you. I realized what I, I remembered I wanted to say. Um, okay. It's insanely interesting. I am a huge riot girl and into female artists and, you know, uh, I love the slits for one thing. And I was into riot girl before I learned that Kurt was into riot girl. So back in 2002, I was in the Temple University library and I was reading this article again on Rolling, Rolling Stone, I think, about how the song Smells Like Teen Spirit is about when Dave Grohl dated Kathleen Hanna and Kurt Cobain dated the other chick from Bikini Kill. And so Smells Like Teen Spirit is a Riot Girl tribute. It's a tribute to that. Yeah, and, um, cool. I tried to look up if maybe he knew me as a Pada. Um, I couldn't get her birth time either. She was uh, in the gits and she was going to a very promising career and then she got murdered yeah. by some fucking asshole. And I wondered I if her and Kurt ever knew each other. Or... Yeah. But anyway. I wonder if you knew Slater Kinney. I don't know. Ask Carrie Brown, Portlandia. I don't know her name. <laughs> Brownstein. Brownstein. Yeah, sorry. Oh, boy. See, all right. I know a lot about music, but I often don't know about band members. I'm, I'm just all about, I dig music, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm a huge Riot girl. I will gladly talk Riot girl with anyone. And Kathleen Hanna, I love you. And Bratmobile. And Kill Rock Stars. Okay, anyway. So let's go. So hopefully you guys forgot that Dave spoiled it. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, don't, don't say sorry. I think it's funny. I love when we fuck up. Okay. <laughs> um, never say sorry. No stories. Never say never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So right. when Dave and I were comparing Jim and Kurt, we really didn't find anything. Not and Dave already inserted in what we found. But what we were realizing was me and Kurt have a fuck ton in common and Jim and Dave also have a fuck ton in common. We have I mean Dave was tell him how fucking rebellious you were in the well, 70s. Right, we have it written down, so why don't we do yours oh, yeah, and we'll do mine. <laughs> yeah, we'll do yours and then we'll do mine. Okay. Me and Kurt Cobain, the first thingy is... The first Sunday. thing is... Oh. oh, you want to say it? Go ahead. No, you go, you go, you go. I'm eating. Okay, something that's really cool, which I actually have with my son. Um, uh, mix oh my gosh. Huh? I said hi to your son. Oh, Sorry. well, he's not here, but 
I know. And on the podcast, I said hi to him. <laughs> wow, well, you are old. I hope he gets to see the podcast or listen okay. to it. At okay. any rate, these the sun and moon signs are flipped. So Mixie has her sun in Cancer and her moon in Pisces. And Kurt Cobain has his sun in Pisces and his moon in Cancer. So they're like flipped. You have the same signs for your sun and moon, but they're flipped. Now me and my son get along really, really well. And I think that's one of the reasons. So I think if you met Kurt Cobain, you two would probably get along well. I feel like we could... Hello? Be really good friends and help heal, you know? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You, okay. You, Did you hear what I said? You said you think you could be really good friends, but you, you, you bleeped out for a minute. Oh, sorry about for that. For like a few seconds. Sorry, guys, I'm recording this on Zoom, so. Yeah. <laughs> you said you thought that if you got to know each other, you would be really good friends? I think well, maybe we might. I mean, I don't know. I had a lot of angst back then, too. I bet it would hurt to kind of meet him. You know, I always kind of shied away from him. There was a kind of a, uh, kind of just uh, when I was younger with, you know, I don't know Maybe why. Maybe you saw yourself in him too much. I think that's why. Yeah, I saw a lot of myself in him when I was younger. Yeah. And they were emerging. And uh, I just was too depressed to get into it, you know? Yeah. I couldn't get into Nirvana when I was in the state I was growing sure. up. But anyway, uh, we both okay. have Neptune personalized. Yes, that's another thing that they have in common. Now, I don't know if I uh, explained what personalized means. Um, the three, I'll, I'll, I'll do it real quick. The three outer planets, um, uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, are what is known as transpersonal planets. They're very intense transformational energies. And when they're working in your chart, it usually brings about an episode where, where something in your life changes like really intensely. Things are ripped away or die so that new things can be born or brought into the world. Mm -hmm. um, so when they're working, it's, it's all karmic. It's all for your spiritual growth. And they can be very intense and hard to deal with. Oh, now, I can. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> yeah, everybody deals with these during the transits. Everybody goes through transits of these planets when they're touching their natal chart. But if you have one or all of these planets, aspecting your sun or your moon, then it's known as personalized. Um, and that means that that energy is always at work in your life, like all the time, which can be very trying. People who have outer planets personalized are people who go through a lot of change in their life, go through a lot of transformation, have a lot of trials and tribulations, have a lot of tests, but if they meet the challenges that these planets bring, they grow as people like immensely. And, um, you know, from the beginning of your life to the end of your life, you'll see this ama amazing amount of growth um, if the person learns to use the energy well. So that's what that means. That hit me pretty hard. Yes, I mean you guys, you guys both have Neptune and Neptune is ruled by Pisces. So that's, the, the most watery planet of those three planets is Neptune. Yeah, I mean, I could see a lot 
everything you just said, you know my journey. Yeah. I mean, I didn't kill myself. I wrote a book about killing right. myself, so I wouldn't kill myself, you know? Sure. I have I have personalized outer parts too. So. Yeah, we met right after that, right yeah. after I started my healing path. And then Dave can attest to the progress of my personal spiritual growth. Yeah, she's grown amazingly uh, since we've been friends. It's really amazing because she takes what comes and, you know, tries to find the good in it and tries to find the lesson and use it to, you know, transform herself in a positive way rather than just, you know, being angry or just twiddling your thumbs waiting for it to be over. She took the bull by the horns every time a difficult transit came up and she grew from it. Yeah. So huzzah for you, Mixie. Oh, thank you. I can, I can face my shit. Yay. You can face your shit. You certainly can. I can. I, I'm pretty proud of that, facing my shit head on. So what someone with Neptune personalized, the positive qualities would be someone who's very sensitive to others, someone who's very compassionate, and someone who's very intuitive. And you are all those things. Am I, Dave? Am I? <laughs> yes, Mixie. There is a Santa Claus. <laughs> of course so. you are all those things. Are you joking? Yeah, I was joking. Oh, okay. I know I'm nice. I mean, I'm a cunt, but I know I'm a really awesome healer and I love people and I will do anything yeah. for them like you. Yeah. Yeah, you totally. pain in my ass. Yeah, I know. I'm a pain in her ass sometimes. Uh. I have my own issues, but. <laughs> uh. All right, now here's something else. That the two of you <laughs> Sorry, go on. That's all right. Here's something else the two of you have in common, but it's kind of negative. You both okay. have Neptune trine Venus. And what happens, one of the qualities of Neptune, one of the negative qualities is creating illusion and delusion. And when you have Neptune aspect in your Venus, very often you, when you first meet somebody, like uh, for boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you want to call it, you'll kind of put them on a pedestal. You'll see them through rose-colored rose glasses because Neptune is creating this illusion that they're this wonderful person. But then yep. that illusion wears off and you see the reality of them. And it's, it's a real letdown because you were up in the fantasy of Neptune. Whereas if you didn't have the Neptune fantasy, you would, you would have already accepted the person with all their quirks. But having to come down from that illusion, you judge them too harshly. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, like, I think I've done a lot better in my life and, uh, with getting in the rose colored glasses, I get them off a lot quicker or they don't go on anymore. But like, I mean, no, that's not true because I like to approach everything with a sense of wonder and awe. And well, no, like, that's not what I'm talking before, about. We're talking about specifically relationships because it's Venus. Well, I'm telling you how I see relationships oh, okay well yeah i was getting there i'm sorry like, just in general you know when i get infatuated with someone you know i'll i'll definitely get enchanted at first yeah. and it's taken me a lot of years to learn not to get as enchanted you know and uh and because i am a moon chick let's face it i am the fucking moon um i can unmask the illusion 
a lot easier now than I could in the past. You know what I mean? Yep, I do. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to- For what, no. I'm baby deering on you now. Saturn and Pisces in seventh, go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Now Saturn, you know, represents um, like having integrity. It represents the boundaries that earth creates, that the physical plane creates. Um, Sometimes when, sometimes people have a lot of trouble with Saturn because they feel like it holds them back too much or, or it gives them too much responsibility. But he had, you both have your Saturn in Pisces in the seventh. And yeah. No, no, I'm sorry, he did. Where do you have, you have your Saturn in the first. Yeah, I'm a, that's my only Earth and I use it very well. All right, well, we, I, all right, Kurt had Saturn in Pisces in the seventh. And that's not a good sign for Saturn to be in. That means, says to me that he would have a hard time standing up for himself at times. And, and um, he probably had weak boundaries with people in relationships. And there was something in your chart that indicated that too, but we forgot to write it down. But uh, that would be my fault. <laughs> yeah. But you're a lot better than you used to be. I mean, and you've told oh, me yeah. stories about before I met you, how you would let people walk all over you. Yeah, now I just let my kids walk all over me. Yeah, and you're not like that anymore. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's, you know, it's easier to do in Pennsylvania than New York, probably. Because yeah. <laughs> since I've been, I call, I, I lovingly nickname Pennsylvania passive aggressive. So I'm like uh, the direct in your face New Yorker, you know? Yeah. <sighs> it's ridiculous. So, yeah, so I think Kurt had that too, since he had Saturn and Pisces in his seventh. Mm. Whenever he got into a relationship, I think he had a hard time um, with boundaries and he allowed people to kind of, you know, push him around a little bit or. Uh, oh, yeah. I keep forgetting it's relationships and I keep bringing other topics up. Yeah. Yeah. Learning that shit with boyfriends is hard and not nice. And yeah. <laughs> I get very enchanted by boys. That's right. I'm fucking boy crazy or I used to be. Not so much more any now. That was in English. Yeah. But yeah. And the very last thing we have, we forgot to write down your thing again. Um, Kurt has Mars in Scorpio trining his son. Now that's very positive because Mars is all about Mars is all about boundaries. All, um, the problem is, it's, again, it's in a water sign, so it's not going to work as well. Mm-hmm. But Scorpio is has a tendency to be very aggressive compared to the other water signs. The other water signs, especially Pisces, they're just like, you know, jelly, you know, they can't, you know what I mean? But Uh Scorpio will rip your throat out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, we all know Scorpios, my my weakness. So I think Scorpio, there, there was a very aggressive uh, aspect to Kurt. I think in his private life, he was very sweet and, and sensitive. But when he got on stage and his, the music that he wrote was really hardcore, aggressive music. And that, I'm saying that as a good thing. I'm not, yeah. using, I'm not using the word aggressive to mean something bad. Exactly. Oh, yeah. But, I, love, I mean, oh, my God. 
his music. Yes, I think his Mars and Scorpio helped him um, to believe in himself and to believe in his music. What's did we ever? Uh, I guess we didn't look at his rising. I wonder if he had a Scorpio rising. Oh, uh, very I Scorpio. No, he actually has Virgo rising. Really? Only, That's his Earth. He only has. He has Virgo rising and he has Pluto and Uranus in Virgo and everything else is water, literally. That's just like me too. I have one earth, but yeah. I have more than just water, but yeah. my majority is water. Anyway. So, so but you, but you also believe in yourself and I what do. you're doing with your life. Mm -hmm. And we forgot to write down what you're what it was again we class. did that's fine let's just leave it about kurt <laughs> okay so that's the last thing we had about him yeah now you and jim i hope we okay. wrote that shit down so okay. dave and jim let me give you a little uh background on uh -oh. dave <laughs> <laughs> no i was um, just gonna say you were a very rebellious youth yes you, you were a a teenage riot you and you did lots of drugs and you yelled at cops. The 70s were fun for Dave, from what I've I heard. I was a rebel without a cause. Ah. Uh, but so yeah, I was. I was very anti authority. I was very rebellious. Yeah. Um, and like Jim, I did a lot of drugs. Um, and like Jim, I was always trying to use them for spiritual purposes, even though at the time I probably couldn't have articulated that. But I read about like psychedelic drugs and I, I wanted to have those experiences of like transformation. But in my neighborhood, we always got shitty acid. So it wasn't, uh, until, I was, wasn't until I was in my 30s that, that I actually had a good acid trip. Yeah, the, I heard the 90s were all about acid. I still haven't done acid. I won't. Yeah, it was I'm in the 90s fun. when I had the good acid. Anyway. Yeah. One thing is that me and Jim Marson, our birthdays are one day apart. I'm December 7th. He's December 8th. So we have that. Yeah, that's cool as shit. I know a lot of Sages. We both have Pluto aspecting our sun and moon. So when people have Pluto aspecting their moon, they tend to repress their emotion. And then it would often come out as explosive anger. and I think Jim was kind of like that for what I've read about his life. You know, he, he would like uh, that. Val Kilmer yeah. played him like that. Right. He would be all cool and calm and collected, or you thought he was, and then something would set him off. And yeah. I used to be like that too. Like a snake. Oh, and yeah. you used to have snakes. Snake is like my totem, man. Yeah, a coiled snake. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Hey, cool, interesting analogy there between you two. Okay. Another thing we have in common is we both have Jupiter and fire signs. So we're both very impulsive. We both often have an exaggerated view of ourselves. We think we're better than we actually are. <laughs> I mean, in whatever way. Can I just say, though, you are a master artist. You oh, won't let me... You. Oh, you accepted the compliment this time because we're recording. I see. The art is something you have every right to fucking brag about. That's all I'm saying. Okay, well, thanks. I appreciate that. But the the thing about the Jupiter and fire sign is, like, we, we weren't 
neither of us was able to be objective about ourselves at times. We would either think we were greater than we are or less than we were. Exactly. And we tended to exaggerate our personalities at times when we wanted attention, take things to extremes. We both took things to extremes. You know, what kind of extremes Mar- do you take? Me? Yeah. Taking too many drugs. Oh, oh yeah, duh, drugs. Um, breaking I- and entering. Uh, <laughs> oh shit! I forgot about that one. <laughs> um, drunk and disorderly. Um, oh gosh, Dave. You know vandalism. <laughs> I was a fucking te- juvenile delinquent. I thought you were dazed that. and confused. You're Dave and confused. I oh my god! Confused. You were Dave and confused. Yeah, I was a fucking. I almost got put in juvenile jail. Oh wow! They, my father had a friend who was a psychiatrist, uh-huh. and he kind of came to my rescue. And he said, David has a drug problem. And if you, uh, if you re- release him, I'll treat him. And he saved me from being put in juvie because they were going to put me in juvie. That's awesome. That must have yeah. been hard in the 70s to do that too. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I wasn't really aware of what was going on in the courtroom. I was kind of sitting at the back. I couldn't, <laughs> really, I couldn't really hear what they were saying. I didn't really want to. <laughs> oh, know? boy. Yeah, wow. so I'm such um, a good girl. I don't ever get I never I was stupid, but I never got in too much trouble. Okay, I'm just there's a couple things written here that I don't understand why. Oh, let me look them. at them then. Well, uh Dave, okay, well, there's one last thing, one last thing. Okay. Um now I know from from the movie and reading about Jim that he had he had this, this one, one girlfriend that was like his main girlfriend and was Pamela something. Yeah. But he, he would never commit to her. She always wanted him to commit. And he was very fickle with her. He would cheat on her, but then he would come back to her and she would be number one. And then he would, you know, cheat on her again. That sounds fun in a boyfriend. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he had his moon in Scorpio. And this made me feel like by loving somebody in a committed way, he was kind of giving up his inner self. Like the feeling wow. that, his, that his inner self would be taken over by this other person's personality or this other person's love. Like and you'd feel trapped in a relationship? Exactly. Mm. And I have, I don't have my moon in Scorpio, but I have a conjunct Pluto, which is almost the same thing because Pluto rules Scorpio. And I've always had that problem. It goes back to my mother because she was very controlling uh, and overbearing. So, yeah. so whenever I used to get into relationships, I, I would get really scared that I would just like lose myself in the relationship. And I think Jim had that problem too because we both have, or he has Moon and Scorpio, I have it conduct my Pluto. Yeah. So that's the last thing we have here. Well, that's cool. I mean, I guess we can wrap it up if you'd like. I could introduce sure. the next episode because I got to pee like a motherfucking racehorse. I okay. don't know about you. And I'm still in my car and it's hot and I need nature. I need okay. the windows open. <laughs> all right, my love. All right, all my loves. Thank you for listening to our third episode of Fight Cusp. The show where Mixie and Dave break down some bitchin' birth charts. <laughs> Peter. Anyway, so have a great day, guys. Check us out on our YouTube videos. 
Bye. Cheerio. Oh, next week episode. I'm sorry. We're sticking to this. This is kind of like a two-parter. Next week is Ladies Sing the Blues, Janis Joplin and Amy Winehouse. For reasons. Yeah, reasons. (laughs) I'm a parent. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.